Welcome to the NyxCast Escapological Institute. You are fledgling podcasters trying to make it big in the world of on-demand audio. You have to record a listenable podcast with an audible ad, a Squarespace ad, and an appearance by Paul F. Tompkins, and then leave the room as quickly as possible before the next podcast comes in. You have 60 minutes, and your time starts now. Good luck. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological. My name is Nick G, and welcome uh, to this episode that we are doing about enthusiasts of escape rooms. Here with me to talk about those enthusiasts are my two best friends, Nick T. This week with hopefully 100% less audio issues. <laughs> and Nick Z. That's right, Mr. Directional Lock himself, Nick Z. <laughs> Sorry, 100% less audio issues. Probably not 100% less network issues. It wouldn't be a podcast without network yeah. issues. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. As G was mentioning this week, we are talking about enthusiasts, fans, if you will, of escape rooms. I have started the conversation this week with some history, some facts, some fandom facts about escape rooms. Fortunately for us, this week, when talking about uh, escape rooms, there is not a lot of history. There's not a lot at all. This is good because it's easy to digest for a podcast like the one that we do. Escape rooms, also known as room escapes, escape games, escape the room, and so on, are physical adventure games where participants are required to solve a variety of puzzles using riddles, clues, and hints contained in the room within a fixed time limit. Sometimes the rooms are thematically linked, like maybe it's a museum heist, or they can just be a series of abstract puzzles with no linking theme. The concept of the escape room is heavily inspired by the similarly named video game genre, where players are required to escape a room by pointing and clicking around a room to exploit their surroundings. The earliest example of this style of game is the 1988 text adventure Behind Closed Doors, where the player has to escape a restroom. Uh, but some better known examples might include Motus, Mystery of Time and Space, 2001, Crimson Room in 2004, and Viridian Room. Arguably fans of escape rooms are fans of this genre of video games, but I didn't look into that. That's not what we were focused on this time. The first escape room was created in Japan by Scarp, S-C-A-R-P, in 2007. The concept later spread to other parts of Asia, then Europe, then the world. There are now almost 2,000 escape rooms in the United States alone. It's a lot, guys. Interestingly enough, when talking about when a fandom is most active, we usually use Google Trends. As it turns out, Google Trends data starts back in 2004, which is approximately when Crimson Room was released. So when we look at the trends, escape rooms have never been more popular than they are now. There was a spike in interest around 2007, but since about 2015, it's been on a meteoric rise to the top. I was looking up information for the size of the fandom. I have absolutely no idea, but some numbers that you can ponder about for you listeners out there. The Escape Room subreddit has about 2,000 subscribers. As I mentioned, there are 2,000 Escape Room companies in the U.S. Uh, If the average group size was four and there's at least one group a week, that means there's like almost half a million fans. That is undoubtedly wrong, (laughs) because I don't think you could stay in business if you're doing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also found out 
some interesting stats about escape room facilities. Beijing, China has a claim to fame for most escape room companies in one city at 182. Wow. Wow. The top non-Asian city is Budapest with 63. The top Canadian city is Markham with 36. Wait a minute. (laughs) Markham? Yeah. Look, maybe the person filling it out didn't understand. I don't know. If you pick the GTA, I'm sure it would be the next biggest. The GTA is like 80 some odd, I think. Yeah. But yeah. And the top one in the US is Los Angeles with 23. Mm. But Los Angeles is probably similar in that if you count the various surrounding areas, maybe you get some more. Yeah. And it depends on what you're counting as the city, but real, real popular. (laughs) Yeah. I found not one, not two, but three different surveys talking about the fans, um, which answers a bunch of different questions, but taking a look broadly over all of them. And the surveys are included in the show notes if you want to take a look. In terms of gender, this was one of the cases where it's actually roughly equal. One survey skewed towards male with like 57% male. Another one skewed pretty much the other way, female. So I'm going to split it down the middle and say pretty equal representation. I mean, I'd say anytime I've been or we've been to an escape room, that roughly seems the case. Mm-hmm. It's pretty even. So it's not it's not like a dude thing. No. No. In terms of age, the largest category of folks from the survey respondents uh, is age 26 to 30 though the majority of respondents are under the age of 35 about two-thirds this was consistent across the different surveys Mm. most groups were mixed gender like 70 to 80 percent so it's not all dudes or all ladies i'm not trying to be binary here but like that's how they categorize them the largest group 48 percent of respondents identified as ambiverts Mm -hmm. people who are like extroverted and introverted or like a little bit of both what were the options? Ambivert, extrovert, introvert. These are probably people who don't usually see ambivert on a survey. <laughs> we're like, yeah! Finally. The next largest group at 36% identified as extroverts, and then 20% as introverts, mm. putting introverts at the lowest, surprisingly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an innately social thing. Yeah. We'll get to that. Ah. I found some data in one of the surveys that talks about that there was a lot of data there was too much data i poured over a bunch of it and there was still more there was data oozing out of every pore of the this week's podcast but i couldn't get to all of it so if you want to read more about those uh, they're in the show notes the surveys mentioned are the 2017 escape room enthusiast survey peeking behind the locked door a survey of escape room facilities and the room demographic survey those will be in the show notes that's pretty much all i've got for fandom facts because there's not a lot of facts to go off of in this case. <laughs> nope. It's a fairly new hobby, certainly for the world, but uh, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that, of course, brings us to famous last words from last episode, where we hadn't done any research for this week's topic. Who would like to have their words go first? <laughs> Throw mine on the fire first. All right. I'm actually very curious what the answer to this is. Z. Your famous last words were, what is the biggest escape room? For example, is there a house where its entirety is an escape room? Mm -hmm. I know for a fact, looking at some of the survey results, that one of the escape room places is a barn. (laughs) Well, I can uh, do you a little bit better than a barn. There is a touring escape room. You know, it moves location time to time. It's only uh, run at special times, but it is run by that group, Scrap, called... 
Escape from the Walled City, an Attack on Titan themed uh, escape experience that takes place in a stadium. What? Yes. The nitty gritty details of how that worked weren't entirely clear. Like if it's a bunch of small teams, if it's just one giant team of like hundreds of people, that wasn't very clear. But a little bit clearer was um, another experience that's a little bit more local, a little bit more fixed, called Escape the Diefenbunker. Ah, that one I've heard of. Yes, yes. Where the Diefenbunker, for those of you not in the know, Prime Minister Diefenbaker in the 1950s, 1960s, had a bunker built just a little bit west of Ottawa, uh, Canada's capital, just in case, you know, uh, the Cold War got a little too hot. And he and, you know, the military and government officials wanted to escape to safety. Obviously, that bunker didn't really get much use. Now it's a museum. And the Diefen Bunker at one point approached Escape Manor, a fairly big escape room company in Ottawa, and said, hey, we want to use one of our floors as an escape room. So how about it? So they partnered up and they created this experience called Escape the Diefen Bunker, where you are on one floor of the bunker. It is tens of thousands of square feet. So like 10,001 square feet. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) You're given one hour and you can have up to 12 people running through this experience, this escape room. Well, escape bunker, I guess, really. Wherein it's all themed around espionage and kind of like Cold War intrigue, but set in the modern day. Oh, man. Then... Sort of similar to that. It's it's sort of a blending of these two things. It's a, an escape experience set in very firm locations, but that seems to move around, called Prison Escape, which is a Dutch escape room experience where you and a bunch of other people go to a an actual prison and are, you know, given the jumpsuits. There are 80 actors acting like prisoners and guards... And you and these 20 other people, through your actions, through your interactions, make up the story of your time in this prison. I guess it's an option just to, like, chill out and become, like, a prison kingpin. (laughs) But also, and as shown in the the trailer for it, uh, which you can find in the uh, link to the Quora article about all this. Or, obviously, you can escape by banding together with other people, banding together maybe with actors it's not entirely clear what was going on in the trailer, but it's a very, very involved trailer. But yeah, and it's a three-hour experience. Whoa. And it sounds like it's probably about as immersive as escape rooms have gotten to this point. Man, oh man. As far as the whole like escape room as a house thing, it hasn't been done yet. Interestingly, Laura Kendall of Escape Assist Software sort of threw her hat in the ring in the whole, are there whole day escape rooms question on Quora? And said, you know, she doesn't know of any, but she's always hoping that somebody will, like, take an old manor hotel, convert, you know, the majority of the rooms into escape rooms, and then have a few rooms reserved for, like, bed and breakfast guests, who then have to solve the various rooms. But that's just hypothetical right now. That's just a dream that I guess at least one other person has. See, would you settle for a boat? A boat? I think a boat could be fun. I'm talking about escape boats in Dublin, Ireland. What? Ooh. Yep, you and your team start your adventure in the engine room of the ship, and you have to solve a number of clues and puzzles to unlock the mysteries of the boat and escape. Oh, wow. 
boat starts filling with water. What do you, you do? <laughs> find land. <laughs> I don't think it's that kind of escape, but uh, perhaps. <laughs> Fun fact, talking about like hotel bed and breakfast things, kind of related to the 24-hour thing. Mm-hmm. From that survey, one of the questions was, what is the most escape rooms that you've done in 24 hours? Yeah. Uh, I forget if it's the median or the average, and the number was four. But the maximum was 14. In 24 hours? Yeah. 14. Did they sleep? Probably not. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't ask that question. I mean, like, if if the average escape room, if you're given an hour, and maybe these are, like, obviously these are expert players, so maybe it takes them 45 minutes, that's still (laughs) around 12 hours of your day on escape rooms. It's, It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, we had, our group's probably gotten somewhere near four at some point. Yeah. But uh, in a day, in a day's yeah. time. But yeah, <laughs> 14. It's mm-hmm. a lot. Where do I sign up for this? Any money is no object. <laughs> well, Got to go to Markham. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and just you to... take them all off the list. Yeah. I'm going to go to mine. My famous last words. Hey. Uh, right. Mine were, is there a survival horror escape room uh, where you think you're going to die? And uh, is there a super realistic museum heist? Uh, yes. <laughs> All right, that's cool. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I couldn't find a good example of a super realistic museum heist. The problem with asking a question like this one is that I would probably have to just continually loop through, like going through all the escape room facilities that I can find and be like, oh yeah, this one seems realistic. Oh yeah, this one seems super scary. Mm-hmm. Harder to answer, especially for the museum heist one. Unless there's like you're at the Louvre and it has, uh, oh man! I guess in that sense there's like Escape from the Tower uh, at Casa Loma. Yeah, but yeah. that's not really a museum heist. That's just being in a period kind of setting. Yeah. I did, however, find something to answer the question of: Is there like a super creepy survival horror kind of thing? There's apparently, I think it's in Ottawa, a company called No Way Out. And the quote that I got from this article says, No Way Out's missions are much more physically engaging. You have to crawl, run, jump, and climb obstacles and be forced to use certain elements in the rooms to survive. The missions are also not one-dimensional, which means every single decision you make will affect the final outcome. Uh, They list one of the example rooms as 13th Avenue. Uh, Is about a dare gone completely wrong. You and your friends break into the allegedly haunted house only to find out that there's nothing haunted about the house at all. Everybody go home. <laughs> You've been trapped into a game conceived by a sick mastermind and you must work together to escape the house before it's too late. There was also one called Trap House in LA. Um, oh sorry, No Way Out is in Mississauga. Trap House in LA was an example where you're like at a person's recording studio, you're supposed to deliver something and when you get there you find out things are very wrong. And that it's actually like this person has been harvesting organs from people. But you like figure this out gradually. Oh, man. Anyway, it sounds like there are some very terrifying escape rooms. Uh, But I couldn't like, I don't know. A lot of these you'd have to do them to see. Yeah. The trailers for the No Way Out one seem pretty scary. (laughs) That's going to be a no from me. (laughs) I had a friend go to one in Ottawa, though, that is in an abandoned insane asylum. Oh, wow. Hey. (laughs) Got all these abandoned asylums sitting around. You better put them to good use. <laughs> yep. On a related note, in a thread on Quora about what was your worst experience in an escape room, somebody talked about a uh, game in Moscow called Bloody Santa 
in which, you know, you are solving these various puzzles and trying to run away from this axe murderer who's an actor, obviously, but who is, you know, running after you swinging a real axe. And apparently, at one point, you know, one of the players, like, tripped or the actor got too close or something, and the axe, like, took off this player's ear. What? Yeah. Ooh, I have a question. Yeah. Is it really an actor? Uh, <laughs> in Soviet Russia, actors axe you. That was pretty good, actually. <laughs> Still, what the hell? Yeah. That is, ooh, that is something. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm sure that it no longer runs or now uses a fake axe. I'm going to. I'm going to go back and review all of the escape rooms I've done and say, did not lose an ear, five stars. <laughs> Cheapers and creepers. Yeah. Gee, your famous last words were uh, a statement. The first escape room was the Red Room Simulator. Well, I think I said was inspired by. I take some liberties when I make yeah. notes. <laughs> but I can correct that yes, now. Sure. Like, but... Yeah, and it seems that, like, a couple of things I read about the history of, of escape rooms mention it. Mention Crimson Room. The term Takagim. Oh, yeah, because the creator, like, Takaguchi uh, something. Uh, Toshimitsu Takagi was it. So Takagim was the name for an escape-type game. And mostly what I found when I Googled it were forum posts from 2004 being like, I can't solve this game. <laughs> <laughs> man but it's like there's nothing that said scrap was like oh yeah this game was great so we got to make a real life escape room but it is it is like checked in 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 a lot of the history recounting Mm -hmm. and fortunately nothing about uh you know zoop or anything like that but uh it certainly like is literally an escape room just a virtual one yeah in one of the articles uh i was reading one albert kong who sounds like he is somehow involved with Scrap, uh, part of the the team that launched the first room in Japan in 2007, so probably. But he said that, in part, it was inspired by uh, Mist as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I was reading a lot of articles that talked about sort of the history, even in broad strokes, but they talked about the history, and that's the only time that Mist came up, so that might have just been more of a personal thing than a... Like general, everybody was playing Mist and thinking, "Hey, let's make this real," you know. Okay, we had somebody on stream last time, uh, Kaito Al, who had uh, made a statement—not a not a question, but something for us to think about when we're doing our research—and um, they had mentioned the 999 DS and 3DS games, not related to Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> <laughs> And also mentioned that there's going to be a Detective Conan-themed escape room at Universal Studios Japan next year as part of their Cool Japan promo. I tried to find any details about the Detective Conan escape room. As far as I can tell, you can buy tickets for it now. Hmm. And that's pretty much all that's available about it. Hmm. It's not until 2018, like mid-2018. So there wasn't much there for me to look into. I don't know if either of you looked into the 999 games or games uh, no. game not very deeply okay i took a little bit of a look into it it seems kind of interesting it's like you go through escape room style sections mm-hmm. and you go through like novel style sections okay which are like reading up to catch on the story 
and you're like a bunch of people who are part of the nonary games where you're trapped on a sinking ship oh yeah and then you gotta escape there's apparently six different endings and you have to play the game multiple times to get the different endings hmm. uh like because you don't know the full story right but there's this little excerpt from the Wikipedia article that might at least give us some interesting bits to tell about it. Uh, development of the game began after Uchikoshi joined Chunsoft to write a visual novel for them that could reach a wider audience. Uchikoshi suggested adding puzzle elements that are integrated with the game's story. Uh, the inspiration for the story was the question of where inspiration comes from. While researching it, Uchikoshi came across Rupert Sheldrake's morphic resonance hypothesis, which became the main theme of the game. Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors was positively received with reviewers praising the story, writing and puzzles, but criticizing the game's tone and how the players required to redo the puzzles every time they play through the game. Apparently it sold better in the US than it did in Japan. Oh, neat. Oh, wow. Which is unusual, I imagine. Yeah. When did it release again? Uh, I don't know. I didn't look it up. Oh. And I don't have the link because I'm not good at my job. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. I don't have the link, though. <laughs> I've seen it around quite a bit, so I want to say probably somewhere in like the late aughts, early teens. Well, if it's available for the DS, that already puts like a timeline right. on it. Right. So probably before the escape room craze really hit North America, though. Yeah, or I could just take the two seconds to Google it. 999 DS, 2009. Oh, 2010 in North America. Okay, still. So yeah, early on in the... It was starting to catch around the world, but not in mm -hmm. North America. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So those were the famous last words from last week's episode. All right. I'm going to throw back to something that was said earlier. Ooh. She was like, oh, yeah, it's a social game. For being a social game, and this is like a weird, like, let's say that part of the why, part of the reason that why people love escape rooms is is that it's social. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I'm right in there. It's right there. Why? Surprisingly, in that survey, that is in the show notes, one of the skills that was mentioned is communication. Obviously, it being a social game, communication should be very important. Mm -hmm. But less than half of the people surveyed listed communication as one of their key skills in doing escape rooms. Huh. Okay. 48.8%. Well, it sounds like 50% of people are leaders and the other part are followers. <laughs> 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 okay <laughs> fine <laughs> i'm not denying that it's a social game i just like when you mentioned that i'm like there's like a, a weird divide mm -hmm. yeah because it's a social thing because in a lot of cases you can't complete a room by yourself no it's not typical to do so i'm sure you could if you wanted but like you need multiple people for various reasons and things like that and as such you're gonna have to talk to people it seems to be a very common, like, work team-building exercise thing. Mm -hmm. Apparently a lot of people do it on dates. Yeah. There was uh, a thread on our escape rooms. Escape rooms and dating. <laughs> Has anyone ever gone on a date to escape room? And everyone's just like, don't do it for your first date. No. <laughs> like, you won't get to know each other. You'll just <laughs> yeah, get into an other. argument very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like it's like a thing... People do together in groups. What I wonder, I mean, specifically about the results of the survey um, regarding the whole, like, introverted, extroverted, ambivert thing, is, like, how many of... It's, this is impossible to know, but nonetheless, nonetheless, I want to ask it. How many of the people surveyed 
are coming at this from the perspective of people who go to escape rooms with groups as opposed to people who just kind of show up and then are paired with randos. Well, that is a, a divide that I learned doing extra credit research, a.k.a. Ooh. just my life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think All right. Chloe and I, with various satellite versions of, of our group, have done 28 escape rooms, something like that. And we encountered this when we were in Toronto, and it's probably more common in big cities. It's a European-style escape room as opposed to an American-style escape room. And European style is you get slots for you, and other people also show up. Yeah. And you just do it together. Yeah. Oh, it's like a pub. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Americans, like, you you get it for your group. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's like karaoke. <laughs> like Korean-Japanese-style karaoke is American-style escape rooms. It's just your group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's the other side is everyone. It's funny when you mentioned that we'd gone through, like, 24, yeah, 28... Whatever the number escape room. Apparently, 80% of people actually track that. Like, these are the escape rooms that I have oh. played. Oh, like with a play log kind of thing? I don't know if they they keep track of, like, how they did or what was great about it. But, like, just that 80% of people are keeping track. I wrote it all out in my whiteboard. <laughs> escape rate is 75%, which is pretty good. Hey, that's not bad. Um, anyway. Man, now I want to know which subset of people does better than the others. <laughs> <laughs> Who has the winningest percentage? We tracked it per amount of people. Like oh, two-person like... group versus three-person group versus four-person okay. group. I can't. I erased it all now. I used my whiteboard for something else. But uh, it's like we only ever did like one or two five-person ones. We had like 100% escape room for being a five-person group. Oh, I see. But uh, yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. Anyway, I'm one of those goobers that keeps track of the escape rooms. That's because there's no escape room league to keep your stats. <laughs> I mean, not yet. Yeah, I mean, individual places will, because I feel like that is important to a lot of people who do escape rooms. Yeah. Having the best time. Being yeah. the best. I always have, like, this is the this is the time to beat kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That local leaderboard. Yeah. That's kind of a funny thing. So... One of the things mentioned, I'm going to mention the survey a lot. There's a lot of cool data in there and a lot of like little quippy things. That's where the info um, is. Yeah. So like in a lot of escape rooms, if you've never played an escape room before, there is often some variety of hint system. There's all sorts of different kinds where you can ask for hints, where they'll give you hints when you seem to be stuck after a certain period, where you have a limited number of hints, et cetera, et cetera. Apparently, enthusiasts disliked when there were penalties for taking hints. The implication to me is it doesn't matter if I get hints. I want to feel the satisfaction of learning things and completing the room. It doesn't matter if I took a hint to finish. Right. Because at the half hour mark, you're just stuck on something and you can't figure it out. And you don't want to take a hint because you're penalized and you're just like a frustrating experience. Yeah. You know, yeah. you want to keep the momentum going because that's the fun part. Mm-hmm. Adventure Rooms, which is uh, the first Canadian escape room company which is located here in kitchener that we've all been to mm-hmm. probably has done things the best for that where they give you a hint when you look like you're stuck yeah in a non-intrusive way yeah, yeah. it feels like it's part of the puzzle exactly i think that like it's hard to talk about escape rooms and to think that a big component of the fandom of it is not the puzzles <laughs> yeah i feel like there's a lot of Based on us going to a bunch and us like talking to people who make the escape rooms, 
who the people we talked to have been really passionate about it. Like trying to figure out different ways of doing puzzles is paramount. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only so many times you want to generate four numbers. <laughs> like there's like all kinds of different puzzles using all the different senses in order to find clues. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did you know that of those surveyed people, um, less than 20% had seen a puzzle that used taste Mm -hmm. and about 25% had seen a puzzle with temperature. Yeah. Like very uncommonly used elements. Yeah. And it's neat when you have to change the way you're thinking about something that's in the room because you've never encountered it before. Yeah. It doesn't come up very often. No. Mm -hmm. And... (laughs) It's so it's so interesting to to continue to do it because it's like you're chasing the high a little bit. <laughs> you want the next one to be even grander, yeah. but they can't they can't scale directly up because you're going to different businesses all the time and stuff like that. The first time I was in a room where there was a second hidden room, mine exploded. Oh yeah. <laughs> the eighth time, I was like, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah there's the second room. Okay, let's go. <laughs> We're doing pretty well for time. Uh, I guess that means there's another room. Oh, okay. Wait, there's a third room? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's... no. It gets sneakier. Oh, no. <laughs> Is it another room? No, it's just a closet. Okay, we're good. We're good. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day where we're doing an escape room and there's a door and it just opens to a brick wall <laughs> just for fun. That's like in one, time stories. One person's going to run into it. <laughs> There's apparently one in Mississauga where there's a very impressive museum heist. Hmm. Ooh, interesting. I want to play that and I will speak nothing of it because I've been told about it and I shall not speak any more of it. All right, all right. There's one in Vaughn. It might be Vaughn. They all have the same name. <laughs> Every escape room place has the same name. Escape, mystery, trapdoor. Escape the room, room <laughs> escape, escape games. Game escape. Hurry up. Mystery room. Mystery. I literally can't remember what it's called (laughs) because of that. But there's one just called The Unknown. They will not tell you the average time to complete it. They will not tell you anything. (laughs) Fun. I have heard a couple things about it, and it makes me never want to do it. Oh. But I will not say what those are on air. Yeah, the challenge of of talking about escape rooms is... You want to talk about how you felt. You might want to talk about broad themes about things that are available. Mm. But like if you tell people about individual escape rooms, it can ruin the entire experience. Yeah. And that is virtually something that that online people never seem to do. Because like we usually do research about escape rooms that we're going to, like how people liked it and everything like that. Never, never have ever seen any kind of spoiler. I mean, people get that that's the thing. Yeah. Right. Once you've done it, you've done it. Yeah. You can't redo it. Yeah. I think it's because people really respect the immersion and like recognize that immersion is a pretty big part of it. It's a huge part. I think it was an article from The Verge that was talking about the immersion and the narrative part of escape rooms as being the huge appeal. When you're watching a TV show or a movie, there's definitely a fourth wall. You get scared. You just like put your hands over your eyes. <laughs> you like leave. You go to yeah. the bathroom. You go get some popcorn, whatever. Mm-hmm. VR. You're like, you've got this. It's like really immersive. I'm surprised how immersive virtual reality is. But you don't like it? Take it off. And you're back to the real world. I lock you in a room for an hour. (laughs) I mean, you can leave. You lose. That's that's it. You get nothing. (laughs) The the point of the escape room is to escape the immersion of the room. (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, whether or not you believe the narrative that's going on, that's that. But aside from the immersion, it's this opportunity to tell a narrative that you can't do in any of those other experiences. No, you're mm-hmm. you're in it. You're literally in it. The closest thing is like LARPing. Yeah. It's like you're, you know, you're moving the locks, you're stealing the jewel, whatever. It's like you're you're physically doing it. You are ostensibly a character in a story. Mm-hmm. The character may resemble you a lot. <laughs> Apparently some of them uh, are not like that, where you need to be in character. Yeah, I have not encountered that yet. That sounds exciting. But it's like it's like you're doing a little bit of role play. They're done with actors. I have to, uh, it's like having other people there confirming your immersion helps the immersion. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm just standing here and you're like pretending to be a person that you're not being, but you're talking to me kind of thing. <laughs> well, without spoiling anything, there was this yep. one escape room that a, another person had taken and it's from the article and they, they failed. Like they did a lockout lock and it locked them out. Yeah. So they, they could not finish. They just knew they were going to lose. Um, and at the end of the escape room, the room started filling with gas, like smoke or something. Yeah. But yeah. it's just like, okay. Is this is this real? <laughs> Am I going to die? <laughs> like, who knows? You expect that it's not, but your brain might think that you are. Yeah. There's nothing to confirm you're not. Yeah. Could be an elaborate ruse. It's like, haha, you thought we were an escape room company. Actually, <laughs> serial killers. Boy. <laughs> but actually an escape room company. Like, where does it <laughs> Where does it end? We were a simulation within a simulation. <laughs> but yeah, like like the point is immersion almost, right? Mm-hmm. Like if it was just a series of abstract puzzles, you don't need to be in a room to do that. But it's like you're physically escaping the room. Yeah. That is the sign of your victory. Yeah. Even if narrative isn't a big deal to you, even if, you know, story's not that important, the theme is really what grounds those puzzles. Because they can get fairly abstract. I mean, yeah. you could really abstract something out and say, like, 32 degrees north by 72 degrees west. And if you don't have, like, some sort of exploration or travel or whatever kind of theme that relates to that, it's just numbers and directions that aren't necessarily obvious or relevant. It would break the immersion. Yeah, you can figure out the puzzles, but uh, it's them being woven into... Uh the theme and narrative of the room that hits the right spot yeah to make it like a really satisfying experience and i think it began with people being like okay where would puzzles be right <laughs> professor's <laughs> office is a, a lab a dungeon <laughs> what have you yeah because it's it's a totally different experience from just going into a room i guess locking yourself in and then solving a bunch of puzzles and then leaving it is very different to that apparently the ideal escape room the the theme and the narrative were actually not rated as important. Now, admittedly, these are from enthusiasts. Yeah. But apparently, like, more important were things like the specific challenges of the puzzles, how the game flows, the immersion, and how things integrate into the escape room. Not so much like, this is a Sherlock Holmes room. Mm-hmm. Why is there a computer in here or something like that? Which I found surprising. Well, there's two ways to take that. In terms of theme is not important, you could say, you know, I don't really... Less important. Less important. In terms of, you know, is this, like, is this puzzle connected to the theme? Do I really feel like I'm in, you know, a Victorian parlor or whatever? Like, you could say that you're just there for the puzzles. When I was thinking of, of me saying theme is less important, it's like, I'll enjoy most themes in the escape room. I'm up for whatever kind of thing. In that sense, the theme is not important. Like, I won't only do, like, museum heist escape rooms, but, like, I will enjoy any 
and you know depth of theme that I find in in a room. I'm waiting for the escape room that is a museum heist where you're actually <laughs> just stealing from a museum. It takes place in the museum, <laughs> and uh, you. <laughs> it's night. Uh, a person escorts you in and gives you all the equipment, and uh, yeah, what's it called? The um, Natural Museum of History in Ottawa has escape rooms in it now. Oh hey, yeah. What? Two that involve you like being in the exhibits. It's cool. <laughs> what? It's like time travel. You have to find dinosaurs, something like that. It's cool. What? I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. More and more <laughs> places of historical interest are opening themselves up to be escape rooms when they are not open. Yeah. It gets more usage in the hours. Yep. Yeah. Because that's all like the museum's closed now, so you can use it as an escape room. <laughs> I mean, I think on the on the back of that, there's probably the idea that, you know, immersing people in this game and then giving them these puzzles sort of themed or like focused around various exhibits in the museum makes for a fairly educational experience because you're like immersed in mm-hmm. this thing and just sort of naturally pick up whatever ideas or facts are strewn in front of you in the form of these puzzles. I did find out about this company called uh, Breakout EDU which apparently specializes in uh, turning classroom curriculum, lesson plan, lessons, that kind of thing, into like escape room experiences. Oh, that's genius. Yeah, they, they sell these sets that are like escape room boxes in, in a sense. They've got padlocks in them, UV lights, hint cards, stuff like that, and a like, little thumb drive as well. So you can like go onto their uh, their website and check out their online community and download you know like pre-made escape scenarios that i guess the company's made and that probably their 8700 plus members have made as well and then like plug your lesson plan into that however that works and give your students a an awesome 50 minutes they'll be talking about for the rest of the week man yeah looking forward to the food pyramid (laughs) is it a pyramid (laughs) in the states it is Still? I thought they changed that. You know what? That's not what we're talking about today. That's fine. No, we're not talking about food pyramid vans. Is that a... Yep, that's also another thing I want to find out today. Nope. Nope. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, it seems like from the outset that it would be, like, very divisive as to whether people would like it or not. Because I've really said to people, oh, I'm doing an escape room this weekend. They're like, what's that? I'm like, they lock you in a room for an hour and you have to find your way out. And they say, that sounds awful. Which I get it. I mean, yeah. In some cases, it's like they lock you in a room. Yeah. Right? Like in some cases, they actually lock you in. In other cases, they're like, you're kind of, you can't leave. There's a key here, yeah. whatever. When they don't lock it, it's usually like they make it like task specific. Like you have to get a thing, mm-hmm. or figure a thing out. So the goal is escaping the room with thing. You're right. In that there's like a divide in the sense that it's like, what is the appeal of this situation where we're locking you in a room? Because I'm trying to think, like, yes, there's puzzles, yes, there's thinking, yes, there's teamwork, optional or required, (laughs) whatever. I don't know. Works better when, I think it works better when it's required. But that still doesn't explain, like, I couldn't think of any other experience where that's a similar situation, right? Like, board games, when you're playing something like Pandemic, Mm -hmm. you're working together, you need to coordinate actions between players. But I guess in that scenario, the actions that you can take are known ahead of time. You know what to expect. Yeah. It's, you're also very yeah. removed from it. Yeah. 
Yes. Like yeah. you're sitting at a table and it's like, we're going to cure the diseases of the world. <laughs> like it's very abstract in that sense. Yeah. An escape room is literally like, get out of the room that you are literally in. Yeah. There's a definite difference in like the level of abstraction. But I think that uh, escape rooms and board games do share that element of emergent fun. Mm. Where, you know, a board game, even a co-op board game or whatever kind of board game, isn't necessarily inherently fun for every group of people. A collection of puzzles gathered around a theme and maybe organized into a story, not necessarily inherently interesting, inherently fun either for every group of people. Mm. But like part of the fun, I think, is that you're getting this group of people together, whether they're a polished uh, veteran team or just a bunch of random people that happen to be at the escape room place at the same time. But you're getting them together and like they're not necessarily building a story in the same way that you might with a board game, but like they're at least building that shared experience of having to get into this room, solve a bunch of puzzles, figure out a bunch of of various uh, mysteries and that kind of thing. And then possibly make their way out or at least get to the point where they're able to communicate well enough to have gotten out if they had like an extra 30 minutes or whatever. Yeah, the shared experience is like really, really a big deal. It's, it's also very like special, right? Because you're taken to a room and the room is closed and no one can go in the room or open the door. Only they can open the door and who knows what's going on behind the door. And you'll get your turn, but not yet. Like it's very, <laughs> just that apparatus of it makes it like exciting and kind of special yeah well it it's exclusive yeah something we talked about a long long time ago before we even started panthropological was like what are fans and we had a really long stupid discussion <laughs> that's not worth retreading now but the part that stuck out is that being a fan is about those shared experiences mm-hmm. and an escape room is kind of like the ultimate example of that because it cannot be replicated you can take the same escape room with a second set of people but you already know everything. There's no, it's, it's lost its novelty. There's less to it. You can take it with a different group. But that's a different experience, a different shared experience. Even if, I don't know, as fans, we watch the same movie. Yes, we'll experience it differently because we know what to expect. But like the movie's always going to be the same. Mm-hmm. There's more than one escape room and they can use different mechanics. And I don't know, it's that combination of a shared experience that is immersive that makes it unique yeah yeah because you know you're experiencing it presumably for the first time together in real time and it's not going to be captured again and it doesn't reflect a way that you would act for most of your life right like it doesn't usually simulate day-to-day life (laughs) (laughs) we're in the escape room okay first thing turn over everything flip the chairs (laughs) Look underneath for any signals. Yeah, it's like it's like. Can we take the pictures off the wall? Yes. Okay. What's behind the pictures? It's like people getting down to business, but like fun business, right? It's like, <laughs> all right, we got a plan. We can do this. We got to split up. Search for this. Look for something that's shaped like this or something blue. I think that's going to be significant. like it's, it's yeah. And then you're interacting with people in a way that you only interact with them in an escape room. You mean in a way that doesn't make any sense? <laughs> yeah, but but that. That part is also just contained within the room. Because mm-hmm. when you get out, it's back to normal life. It's back to, I mean, you're talking about it. But yeah. Yeah. Building up what they call in the business, apparently, froth. Fro- I thought you were going to say building a mystery, but okay. <laughs> apparently, froth is the, uh, the. I don't know if it's exclusive to the escape room industry, but the industry term for uh, discussion generated around a room after the room is finished. Man, we've had, okay. we've had a bit of froth. 
tell you what. <laughs> what is it? I think it's called. I think it's called the Riddle Room. Double check. It is in Toronto, which is an escape room place slash board game cafe. Oh, neat. Oh, oh man. And you you exit into the cafe. Yeah. <laughs> there was one that I found that is a combination of escape room and yogurt place. <laughs> like Froyo. Froyo. Yeah. Do you win free yogurt? It's fine. I don't know if you get if you get some at the end. You win. What <laughs> do I win? Yogurt. <laughs> Coupon for free toppings. I don't want any of them. <laughs> it was a tweet from, uh, I think it was Real Escape Artists, which uh, was another good source of information for this week's podcast. Mm. It was a tweet, and they found out about this, and they're like, so the real question is, do they charge by weight? <laughs> <laughs> I hope the answer is yes. <laughs> Step up on these giant uh, yogurt scales, and uh, we'll get you going. It also highlights and develops certain skills that you would never use in real life or seldom use or use in different ways. Obviously, no, not lock picking, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, your logic, your analysis or whatever, which you do use. But like the one thing I remember, and this this has happened to me in multiple rooms, so I I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything. There's one where it was like Chloe and Evan and I. Yeah, T, you were there too. Hey, I'm not going to say which room it is, yeah, that's but fine. you'll, you'll, know, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but we had to generate numbers by counting different colored blinking lights. Oh, those are the worst. And none of us could do it. Like, some people could look at it right away and be like, yeah, sure, that's this. I can't. It's not in my brain. That's why I need a team. The interesting thing about the puzzles that you're presented with is figuring out which information is relevant, which is actually a skill that you do apply in real life, right? Like... Mm-hmm. you're given a whole crap load of different information about all sorts of different things and somehow you need to synthesize that information to make sense now the difference is when we talk about that in real life you the information that you have is clearly somewhat or not relevant to whatever problem you're trying to solve in escape room all of that is out the window because you never know which things are related to the puzzles and which things are merely information that is present presented without context yes. like there's an encyclopedia. Is it useful? Nope. It's just there for thematic effect. Maybe it's a red herring intended to deliberately throw you off. Mm. Or maybe it's relevant and you just haven't figured out the use. But you only have 60 minutes, so you have to somehow deduce which information is relevant and not. And then you have to combine the information to make it useful. Yeah. You're like, this is relevant. I don't know what it's for, but it's relevant. <laughs> this is a thing. Yeah. Famously. Um, yeah, you have to decide which tiny little pieces to put together <laughs> and hope that it's right. I mean, you can chain a very long string of of uh, erroneous information together. There's been a few occasions where we've done that and it's like, <laughs> no, that's too complicated. We're obviously wrong. Uh, that light example was one of those. Yes. Where we were like, this many blanks, is, is it Morse code? It's like, no, we got no idea. Yeah. Surprising to me. This is just a complete tangent. Yep. Uh, brute force, not a skill widely employed. Nor looked favorably upon. <laughs> said 11.2% oh, said brute force was the skill that they used. It should not. No. <laughs> Based on every brief I've had at the beginning of every escape room I've ever done. I mean, there have been a lot of... Oh, wait, I, I, what does brute force mean? Is it, are you knocking down a door or are you trying like every combination in a lock kind of thing? I'm assuming it's the latter. Yeah. 
I, I hope so. Which, I mean, we've employed when we, we knew we had most of a clue and we're missing, like, a component. Yeah, we'll yeah. try, like, oh, we can try a couple of, of versions of that, yeah. Or we knew we had the information, and yeah. it's just like, I don't know, maybe we entered it wrong, and then you're like, oh, yes, we did. Yeah. Maybe we entered it right, and it still didn't come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that's the thing. There's that teamwork element. And almost that frustrating anti-teamwork <laughs> element where you're like, you did it wrong, let me try. And then someone else will try it, and then it works. Yeah. Just general escape room tip. If you're sitting there at a lock or a puzzle or something and you're not getting anything out of it after like a couple of minutes, get someone else on your team to look at it and go do something yeah. else. Because you'll probably advance a lot mm-hmm. faster. Because sometimes you get yourself really wrapped up in one way of thinking and you just, and you can't get out of it and it's not, not helpful to you. But yeah, that stuff. The mm-hmm. team, team. This is my this is my puzzle guy. <laughs> this is my my tactile puzzle guy or whatever. Um, the idea of having a team, as I've said many times in this podcast, is very appealing to me. <laughs> like as if we were to like rob a casino, as if there were eleven of us, kind of thing. That that'd be one such situation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, escaperooms.com, unsurprisingly, an escape room website. With a bunch of articles, and in uh, one interview that they did with a an enthusiast and uh, game maker, one uh, Georgi Papucherov suggested that an ideal team is four people. Maybe an IT guy as leader, a math guy should be along too. So there's sort of the the, the basic makings uh, of a yeah, okay. heist movie style team. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Wither the artist. <laughs> Probably for the abstraction. Yep. I know, we've definitely got into oh, weeds yeah. with that too. Yeah, it's not a surefire thing. Abstraction is a common thing. Like, you have like, these logical leaps that you have to make. Mm-hmm. Some are bigger than others. Yeah. Those are the worst. Because it's like, why this one? This one is also <laughs> plausible. Yeah, it should, it should only be one plausible answer to each you know, puzzle. But I guess if it was if it was like that, it would be less of a puzzle because if there's an obvious yeah. answer then yeah it's obvious right yeah like but like I, like there should only be one obvious answer like once you've got all the information thought about it a bit it should be the answer that make that like clicks in your brain that like makes sense with everything else yeah we've done enough of what if it's the thing that we think it is but backwards <laughs> sometimes because the theme is difficulty i would say never or may or or in a very small person like if you see that in a mirror then yeah <laughs> i don't know if either of you looked into it but uh and i mean quite have a chance to myself but i noticed in the survey that um one of the stats they looked into was how often people played the same room yes and there were a few reasons for it you know one of the reasons they're taking around a different group another reason they forgot that they'd already done it so I guess it's been a while. But one of the really interesting reasons, to me anyway, was that the room that they were replaying was a replayable room. What's that now? Oh, it does say replayable room. I didn't read the so, uh, additional answers. <laughs> I guess that's a thing. Yeah, I've never encountered a replayable room. I'd be there right now if I had. <laughs> <laughs> but I, w- I just wonder how that would work. Because, I mean, unless there, unless there's a way that they, like... Like, there's a forked path of puzzles. So if you solve this puzzle, you get this puzzle. Or, I mean, I just don't understand how that would even work. 
Does it have different endings? <laughs> okay, but like in a video game, and like a video game is obviously mm-hmm. easier to change in the sense that like it's code and you could like do all sorts of algorithms to like yeah. generate dynamic elements. But fundamentally, even mm-hmm. when you have procedurally generated games, it's like a bunch of blocks of things that are combined. So if you had a replayable room, the fact of the matter might be like you need a key to open a box. Sure. And to get that key, you need a puzzle. So you can swap out the puzzle there. You can swap out the key, Mm -hmm. and that can open a different box. And as long as all of those things are done in a a set, then it's fine. Mm. So I guess a replayable room would be like probably a really low theme room where you can like swap out those elements. So you're like, oh yeah, the code is this. It's like no, because there's no more, no longer a number lock. It's a letter lock. Yeah. Right. You could just take elements. I don't imagine it would be a radically different experience, no. but it would be like, take the thing, mix out some of the puzzles. Yeah. yeah. Just that alone I find really fascinating because part of my research, I kind of took up the question of, huh, how does this make any money? Oh, there were lots of articles on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like my biggest question was, you know, an escape room fundamentally can really only be played once or so I thought. So eventually, you know, everybody in your city, after a long enough time, will have played your room, assuming that you don't change your rooms every now and then and whatnot. But like, to me, in my mind, that puts a a firm cap on how profitable an escape room business could be, potentially. But apparently, you know, other revenue streams are things like corporate clients who book out big blocks of time for uh, team building, or um, apparently... I read about one specific instance where a company was like trying to figure out who to promote to the uh, the vice president position. So they put all the candidates into an escape room to see who would actually lead, see the different leadership styles. Is, is this the office? No. <laughs> no. That seems like a bananas thing to do. <laughs> Does it not seem weird to anybody else? Like, okay. It is. It, it is. But apparently that was part of the ooh. service that this escape room company offered, that they would record it. Like, because part of the escape room experience is, you know, you are being watched or at least monitored the entire time. Mm. And this company offered um, a recording service for, I guess, extra charge to make that extra corporate cash. And part of that service was uh, offering the people paying for the game the ability to uh, review the tape, see how people did. Also, I'm sure that, you know, some companies would do that and say, like, hey, team. This is how you did. Mm. I mean, without getting into a big discussion, that seems <laughs> super weird. And when you think about how people get promoted into most jobs, most creative jobs, which I would argue that like a VP level is thinking creatively and not procedurally, mm-hmm. then that doesn't seem any weirder than any other promotion process. <laughs> I mean, I guess. It still seems like weird. It's... <laughs> It sounds similar to like everyone do a race and then whoever wins gets promoted. <laughs> Corporations are weird, man. man yeah. Man. They're people too in some countries. Yeah, that's definitely not a discussion I'm getting into. <laughs> I want I I did want to find out more about how escape room businesses succeed as businesses because that seems kind of interesting mm-hmm. but tangential. But since we were already talking about it a bit, uh, I found this quote kind of interesting. This is from an article on Market Watch, the unbelievably lucrative business yeah. of escape rooms, uh, which already tells you like how interesting an article is going to be. 
Nate Martin, co-founder and CEO of Puzzle Break, the first escape room facility to open in the Pacific Northwest, invested 7000 of his own money in 2013 to get the business off the ground. He recouped his initial investment within a month. Since then, the business has been profitable every month and conservatively is on track to gross over $600,000 in 2015. Some months are record-breakingly fantastic, he says. Some are only very good. <laughs> Apparently, well, forget all this Patreon stuff, guys. Yeah. Gonna yeah, start an escape, escape room. room time. Yeah. Come to the next cast escape room. I mean, no, man. I think I would really love that job. I would, I would love the heck out of that job. But it could be the same thing as the whole YouTube thing, you know. Best advice for getting into escape rooms? Start in 2015. <laughs> uh, Z. Yeah? <laughs> I think you're forgetting a little thing. That is, the bubble hasn't burst yet, and it never will. So it's always going to be good. <laughs> I don't see the problem. In fact, we can set it up right next to Adventure Rooms. Uh, I found a thread on Reddit called Saturation Considerations When Starting an Escape Room Business. Ooh. And if someone is like, I'm, I'm thinking of starting an escape room business, I assume I should do one that's like got some room so I know there's a market, mm-hmm. but like not one that's saturated. Then people's like, it's not a problem. You're not competing with another escape room places. It's true. It's like, you know, you go to McDonald's, order a Big Mac, and then they're like, you can't ever order a Big Mac again. <laughs> Everybody gets one. Yeah, you got to find a different burger place. <laughs> there's not enough escape room rooms in any one place for there to be like vigilant loyalty to one place people like escape is going to do the escape rooms that are around and they'll go to all the different places yeah so it's like if you're if you're in a place where there already is escape room they're they're gonna get get to you eventually yeah you're not really competing it's just because there's limited repeat business yep you can turn over rooms really fast if you want but that's you know even so you need to get a lot of new people in yeah going back to uh, escaperooms.com and their interview with uh Mr. Papucherov, he also said, I'm not too worried about this whole you know business becoming oversaturated because there are a bunch of teams of people who have played like hundreds of rooms and they're still hungry for more. Ooh. So they'll just keep it afloat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 80-20 rule. 80% of the people play 20... No, 20% of the people play 80% of the games. There you go. Hey, yeah, hey, yeah. got it. <laughs> Probably stands up. Little Pareto principle. Yeah. Man, oh man. We uh, ready for it? I mean, I didn't think we would come so abruptly to the verdict, but it does appear that we have. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, a gavel coming down sometimes hard. Sometimes it sneaks up on you. Well. And sometimes I just literally ask if we're ready for it. That's true. <laughs> As it turns out, we did not escape. <laughs> I'm looking at the recording time. We did not escape. Oh. No, we did not. No, no, sir. We're trapped forever now. I'm sorry. I didn't tell you guys before we entered the room. (laughs) Doing an endless podcast. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. All right, but it is verdict time. And that is the time where we have our closing thoughts, final thoughts, conclusions. However you end your uh, essays, (laughs) usually by introducing new facts, I've heard. That's right. Um, About... Escape room fandom. I'll go first. Okay. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> I'm I'm really far in. I need. Does <laughs> anyone know of an escape room in London I can go to, or anywhere, just like around, just like in Ontario, maybe, even New York, <laughs> just anywhere. I don't. Okay, it doesn't matter. Just, uh, just, just gotta get get to a get to escape, an escape. 
except for that freaky horror, horror stuff. No, thank you. I did one of those, was scared out of my mind. And I don't wish to repeat that again. However, any other escape room? Yeah. No one's built them fast enough. Anyway, I love them. I love them. I love being in them. The immersion, the teamwork, the business-like way you go about, like, combing the room for clues and kind of... Because I got a key. No, no, no. Oh, that one doesn't work for this. So we need another key. Oh, maybe it's this key. Maybe this key is inside a lock. Oh, yeah, that happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can use the key twice? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm I'm really chasing the dragon here. Like, I want I want that good stuff. And I want, you know, the places that I know. Or I would like the rooms to make more rooms. But in lieu of that, I'll visit other rooms. It's not like watching a TV show and you're like, oh, that was good. It's like it's like a visceral part of it that you're like, yeah, like it's fist pumping because you did it. You escaped the flipping room. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a lot more technology being good in escape rooms now, for better for worse. I want to get more of that. All the new stuff. I'm ravenous for escape rooms. Cool. Uh, I can go next. Sure. Yeah. So we talk about a lot of different fandoms, mm-hmm. and even the ones that I'm interested in. When we talk about it, I don't usually get that excited. Not because I don't enjoy the thing. I mean, when we did Jose uh, and Shoujo, I was like, yeah, I want to go read and watch some more. When we did Manga Man, I was a little bit less enthused. When we did Tabletop Gaming, I was like, yeah, we should play that. But today, when we were talking about escape rooms, I was like, I want to do this again. It's been forever since we've done this. I want to play more. I want to design escape rooms. And like, obviously, a little bit of that is hyperbole. Yeah. A little bit. I do really want to play an escape room right now, though. And the more that I've talked about it, the more I'm reminded of all those fun, exciting feelings of accomplishing things with friends or failing together, being frustrated, <laughs> like learning things. Yeah. And that's not something that happens often in like video games or real life. Sometimes when you accomplish something at work, it's because you found a trick and you like made something work. Mm. Sometimes when you're playing a game, it does something novel. Like, it speaks to you as a player. Like, literally, it's like, hey, player. And you're like, oh, that's cool. I hadn't seen that. But, like, even in the most samey escape rooms, somehow it finds a way to feel novel or interesting. You're like, I hadn't thought about that. How did you figure that out? Kind of thing. And I want more of that. So I'm in. I have not exhausted all of the escape rooms in London. I've not exhausted all the escape rooms in Kitchener-Waterloo. It sounds like if I ever had an ample amount of time and money, I should maybe start an escape room. (laughs) I'd be there. But that is an entirely different conversation. But suffice to say, I'm in. I am in, in, in. So far in. Yes. Oh, if I did run my own escape room company, then obviously everyone would be promoted based on how well they perform the rooms. (laughs) (laughs) That's legit. All right. I am also not going to escape this one <gasps> i mean oh, looks like we got a bowling themed escape room <laughs> a trifecta yeah yeah Ooh, a zelda themed escape room oh we missed that no they, they did it but apparently it wasn't very good it was like you know you get some graph paper or whatever and you like solve some riddles and like do some stuff and take the clues from your solved mad libs or whatever and go do things in the room oh. and get items yeah graph paper sounded kind of lame but, I mean, maybe it was really cool and people were just making it sound lame. So you wouldn't know what to expect. Anyway, I'm going to say right now that I am in for escape rooms until somebody makes a Twin Peaks themed escape room 
that is the Red Room, aka the Black Lodge, and I've played it. I think at that point, and then as the end of escape rooms for you. Yeah, a bunch of rooms, a few hallways. Everything's covered with red. Everything's divided by red curtains. Zigzaggy black and white floor. Uh, it would be really easy to make, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Actors that kind of look like you, but have a weird contact in contact lenses. I don't want. I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds terrible. I also don't want the room to have any sound because I'd I'd be freaked out. It'd just be the sound of the electricity all the time. Oh, there's a turkey. turkey. Did it. Three strikes. Ooh. Or three opposite strikes. <laughs> no, strikes are good, but I don't know. Whatever. We did it. Everybody liked it. Yeah. yeah. Hasn't happened in a while. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Keeping things moving along, because we can't escape the end of the episode. <laughs> I mean, that's a good thing. I don't want to be on here all day. We could just leave. We could just run away from the microphones. Yeah, we could. It is the time of the show that is the time for the spotlight where we try to highlight a cool fanish cause or a charity or um, just something related to the fandom of the week. This week, it being escape rooms. I looked for fan related charities because I think those are the best things to promote. I will tell you what I found before I give you the actual spotlight. This almost worked. Did you know that... You could have done an escape room with Captain America. <gasps> what? That's right. You could have done an escape room with Chris Evans, had a trip to Boston with hotel room and food with the first Avenger. Ooh, man. There was a Geek and Sundry article talking about how Chris Evans auctioned himself off to raise money for Christopher's Haven, which is a Boston-based charity that provides young cancer patients with fully furnished apartments near the hospitals they're treated in so that they don't have to go back and forth all the time cool that already wrapped up so you're out of luck well uh i neither looked up who the winner was or if they escaped so too bad you can find that out on your own (laughs) (laughs) the other thing i found which was charity related but was not a charity apparently as part of metro vancouver's homelessness action week a group in vancouver union gospel mission Uh, is trying to show the public how difficult it is to escape homelessness. Mm. Uh, They built an escape room that has different things like um, a bunch of sheet. Like, what's that stuff that you pass through when you're going into a freezer? It's transparent. It's like plastic. Plastic, yeah. Yeah. So apparently part of the escape room is a bunch of those with a bunch of invisible obstacles Mm -hmm. that homeless people face. There's one part where you're like solving a puzzle while you're riding a treadmill that powers the light in the room so that you can see Oh, to illustrate how people are often like working while they're exhausted, which makes things even harder. Mm -hmm. Mm. But it was trying to show that homelessness is not a choice that people make. That was really cool. There's a video there. I've linked to it in the show notes, but that was not the spotlight either. The spotlight for this week, which was also inescapable escape (laughs) common theme with this. uh, Yeah is the room escape divas which is a podcast about escape rooms which i wish we could have found out beforehand which you can find at inversegenius.com slash room escape divas it is a room escape podcast by mike Wan, uh ruby Wan, amanda whitney and errol illumer uh who you might know from debs and errol which is how i know of him and i don't know why but hey that's the thing Errol also runs The Codex, which you can find at thecodex.ca, which is where I found 
a lot of information for this week's episode, including the 2017 Escape Room Enthusiast Survey. Mm-hmm. But there's also some cool stuff there about like escape room design, um, having different kinds of escape rooms, like having it more process focused or ha moments. Anyway, if you're interested in escape rooms, you should also check out that because it's just a lot of really cool information from a fellow escape room enthusiast and possibly future podcast guest. Hey. Uh, I don't know. We'll figure that out in the future. <laughs> that is the spotlight for this week. As always, you can head on over to ITNZ Plus News there uh, and hit the subscribe button to get a brand new episode every Friday. Kick your weekend off with some Nicks talking about fandom. And also don't forget to leave a rating or review. This is Fanthropological, but we are the Nick's cast, and you can find us online at uh, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, all at the Nick's cast. We have just started the Nick's cast discussion group, the Nick's cast discussionarium on Facebook, and I highly encourage you to join. It's open. There's no bouncer. <laughs> so come on in. Uh, you can also find us at patreon.com slash the Nick's cast. You might be asking what patreon.com is, and it is a place where you can become a patron of different artists that you know and love. Or are hoping to know better. Um, by becoming a patron of the next cast, you get to know about all the cool things that are going on behind the scenes. You get to know about things that we have planned in terms of podcast topics, in terms of conventions that we're planning on going to, in terms of interviews or things that we're doing ahead of time. But you also help to make this possible. You help keep the podcast ad free. You help pay for the hosting costs. You help us to like go to conventions and meet new people and interview them to bring guests on the show, all that cool fun stuff, all helps, even as little as a dollar a month is helpful. Check it out, patreon.com slash the next cast. And if you're listening to this podcast right now in your earbuds, your headphones, your car stereo, a strange stereophonic device that was revealed by sliding panels that slipped into the walls after you pushed a button and then rang a bell, great. Keep listening. But... Also, tune in every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time to see us record this thing live. That's right. You can watch all three of us, all of our faces and hand gestures and everything, as we record this podcast and talk about various fandoms. And you can catch that on twitch.tv slash thenextcast every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you're in the chat, watching us record this thing live you have the opportunity to participate comment on what we're talking about ask us questions throughout the show you can also participate in a little segment that we call famous last words oh yeah famous last words, famous last words as mentioned earlier is a chance to make a statement or ask a question about the topic that we're researching before we've actually researched it Next week, which is coincidentally our last episode of the season. Last episode of the year. Mm-hmm. Oh, that too. Before we take a little old break for the holidays, is going to be on fans of Zelda. That's right. We're talking about Zelda Williams, mm-hmm. the most important Williams behind Robin. I assume you mean Zelda Fitzgerald. Ooh. <laughs> the wife oh. of F. Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> She did her own stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was also an author. I, I don't know enough about history or literature. You know what? Not important. We're talking about fans of Zelda, like the video game franchise created by Nintendo. So, gentlemen, what are your famous last words about Zelda fandom?
my famous last words about Zelda fandom. I've got a question for this. I figured you might. Okay. <laughs> what is the oldest fan-made timeline? Ooh. Okay. All right. Z throwing something out there before Jira can come <laughs> up with things, which is good because I need more time. And uh, I'm desperately making time, Ezri. We... I have one, but it's like almost almost the same as Z's, but it's more <laughs> cynical. <laughs> okay. When did people start caring about what the Zelda timeline was? <laughs> for a little context for our listeners who aren't familiar with the Legend of Zelda series and uh, its fandom, the timeline is uh, the order in which the games happen to make like a large millennia-long story. It's a, a subject of hot debate that even Nintendo has uh, dipped its toe into. All the famous last words I can think of are like not about fans. They're like, when is Zelda going to be the star of a game? Not counting the CDI. But that's not a question about the fans. And I really <laughs> want to know about the fans. And I could ask like, you know, what is it about this long running franchise mm -hmm. that keeps the fans interested because all the games are so different. Mm -hmm. But that's like the thing that we answer in every the week. episode. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess has someone made a band that are fans of Zelda that only use instruments from the Zelda games. Oh, man. Like that? Yeah. Like, the best example I can think of is from Majora's Mask, where there is literally a band. But, like, I'll settle for, like, this person plays an ocarina, this person plays a flute, person this person plays... Plays, like, the Zora guitar, <laughs> the Goron bongos. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, there's a group that has eight people and they play, like, the Ballad of the Windfish. I don't care. I'll settle for a guy, like, two people. One's got the music box, the other person <laughs> has an ocarina. That's fine. You want Zelda-themed music makers. Yeah. Because that's the thing that came to mind. Those are my famous last words. Got it. Nice. Cool. All right. With that, I guess we did make it out in the end. It's the end of the episode. <laughs> This is, I mean, they gave us some extra time. Yeah, this is like they, it seems, feels like they forgot about us. <laughs> Did you know in some escape rooms, they like extend the time so that it feels like you just barely escaped? Interesting. It's very thrilling when you just beat the clock kind of thing. I think that's what we might have done for this episode. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a... Just uh, like dilate your time. <laughs> yeah, it's like we're just humoring you. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Now we're getting out of this room for real. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yep. Goodbye. Bye.